You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. I'm Corey Munson, filling in for Aaron Castro, who has the week off. Uh, I'm hanging hanging strong here in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and I'm joined, uh, per usual, by Victor Perez over in New York City. And Jason, uh, Jason, who the hell's Jason? Josh Redland in Denver. Hey, guys, how you doing? Doing well, thank you. Who's Jason? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but who's definitely not Jason is Liam. Uh, Liam is joining us. Uh, he's kind of becoming one of our regular guests, and we're loving having him on. So welcome back, Liam, and uh, tell tell the folks uh, who you are and uh, where they can find your stuff at. What's up, guys? My name is uh, Liam Madigan, a.k.a. Liam Poach. You can head on over to Facebook at uh, Penguin Tundra Rugby or head on over to my website, www.penguintundersports.com. You can find a ton of my uh, MLR analysis and uh, other rugby-related news. And... Uh, yeah, you can find a whole bunch of other stuff uh, along there with that. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's become one of our pocket experts, so it's really great to have you have you join us again, Liam. Appreciate it, and uh, definitely good to be here. Yeah. Uh, also, Dan is off uh, this week again. Uh, if you hadn't noticed, so uh, you'll see him periodically, but uh, we'll we'll just kind of go week to week on uh, his availability here. So. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, so if this is your first time tuning in. First, welcome. We're happy to have you. Uh, we do this every Monday night and discuss news and rumors about Major League Rugby, and uh, that is the United States Professional Rugby Union, uh, not league, as some folks have been confused by. Definitely <laughs> union. It's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from uh, league and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. Uh, rugby scene. Kind of like to build that sense of community out there. So, with all that in mind. Hey, Josh, what we got coming up tonight? Uh, we were talking about NOLA taking the 2018 version of the Bayou Rivalry, Seattle taking it to Utah, Ontario taking on the Canada Selects, prediction recaps, next week's predictions, and more. So we're going to kick it off with NOLA and Houston. Awesome. That was uh, that was an interesting game. I got to admit, I didn't catch it. I had family stuff going on, and I completely missed it. So I'll let you guys kind of tell me about this one. It, it was definitely interesting. I, I caught it late, too. I had to record it. Uh, majority of the scoring was done in the first half. Um, the temperature and the humidity definitely seemed to take an effect in the second half. Um, Houston really seemed to go down or went downhill after Zach Pangelonen. Um Got a second red card and thus a red card. Excuse me, a second yellow and thus a red card. Um, he was shown his first yellow card for not releasing the ball on the deck in the try zone. Um, that also earned Nola a penalty try. His second yellow was courtesy of a high tackle. So um, he punished well, Houston. Go ahead, Liam. Sorry. Well, the, you say, um, you know, they definitely did struggle uh, at points of the game where they didn't have Pangalan in available. However, uh, if, if you'll remember, there was a point where they went into a scrum against Nola, uh, lacking an eight-man, uh, instead choosing to have an extra guy uh, out in the backfield, and they still were able to get a really good push 
in the scrum. So it's kind of interesting how they adapted, even though the end result didn't exactly go their way. That is true. Yeah. Sure. It, 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 I definitely saw it was interesting that um, the referee decided to punish Houston for that, but they didn't. He didn't give a penalty try to Nola, even though they brought down the scrum three successive times. I was actually going to bring that up. You know, um, of course, like we do know, like the Nola scrum started to struggle uh, greatly after that, after losing Hubert Biden's for I think it was like ten plus minutes. But yeah, the the fact that I think it was even four times that they actually brought the scrum down, and then finally the um, I believe it was Jake Turnbull by the Houston SaberCats who committed their first infraction. And next thing you know, all the momentum that they had built up to that point was just completely null and void, and Nola was able to clear it out, which which was something they did actually very well the entire game was clearing it out of their zone when they were when they found themselves backed up inside their twenty two. Oh yeah, that's true. Victor, you got anything? Well, I actually didn't catch the game either. Like. Like Corey, I just kept up with it uh, through through Facebook, uh, no, through, not through Facebook, through um, Twitter. But uh, but yes, I was aware about the two yellow cards uh, to, um, to to Pangeline, and um, I assume both of them he got them because of high tackle. I would assume the, the second one and the first one. He um, so Taylor Howden chip kicked over the top. Mm-hmm. Pangeline gathered the ball and was tackled okay. into the try zone. And he didn't release. Oh. So Nola was awarded a penalty try and Pangelina was given a yellow card. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, just just a whole mess. But uh, yeah. but, uh yeah, since uh, two of you guys didn't do your homework, so a couple other points to uh, <laughs> be made about this game. Um, what, one guy I want to uh, point out is actually Sam Windsor, the trusty veteran of the Houston Sabercats. He, uh, he was perfectly... Uh, fine kicking all night i'm pretty sure he actually went 100 percent on both penalties and conversions so houston at least wasn't lacking in the kicking department they were actually able to put some points on the board when they had the opportunity however one thing i noticed particularly in the second half was they were really slow to develop uh getting the ball down the line something that nola's actually been excelling at all season especially with people uh, people like uh stifler and uh taylor howden kind of directing traffic of course, uh, you know, the and also uh, my third and final point was Holden Youngard versus Connor Murphy. Uh, overall, I think Connor Murphy is a way better athlete than Holden Younger, but I feel like Holden Younger kind of has this fearless mentality in terms of getting the ball out quickly, you know, right into the hands of his forwards or getting it down the line and taking these deep shots. So that's always a really entertaining, uh, you know, match to watch whenever it's the two of them. And I, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but they started to get chippy again with each other at some points in the match. Well, that's just younger. You could see any match you watched with younger. He he's getting chippy, and then um, Connor Murphy's just a dick. I love Connor Murphy. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, dude! <laughs> really hoping Connor. Yeah, Murphy I mean, he, he's right from now. England, so I guess kind of be expected. He was probably all pissed off about the royal wedding or having to miss it for practice or something like that. Uh. <laughs> Uh, the only thing I've really got to say is um, I, and this is a complaint I think I registered pretty early on in the season is that CBS is not making it easy uh, for us to time shift their matches, uh, the ones they've got on network, uh, unless you have a cable subscription and a DVR uh, that you can record it yourself. There's no way to watch it after the fact, and so that's that's a little bit of a disappointment to me. So that's about the only thing I really have to say on that topic. So. But we had uh, we had another match Sunday, and uh, this one was was a heck of a heck of a deal. Um, yeah, pretty darn popular across the board. Yeah, 
So Seattle uh, was at home versus Utah and handled it pretty easily. Uh, total, uh, the final score is 41 to 32. And Victor, uh, you want to lead us off with some thoughts on this one? Yeah, this one I did watch. Um, <laughs> Good. So, yeah, this one I did watch. Yeah, I definitely did enjoy it. Um, again, the, the 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 crowd, the energy at Starfire Stadium when that uh, the place and the place sells out like every game. So, I mean, and it will until the end of the season. I would assume. Um, Again, the, the the power from the, the the power that the players get from the the sixteen men, as I like to call it, definitely showed in the field. I mean, even Utah was obviously there in the match, uh, but once the uh, the second half came in, it was just it just like went over them. And mind you, the first the first half um, score was twenty seven twenty, Seattle leading. It was a game. Sudden, it was a game, and then all of a sudden it went forty one thirty two, and it felt to me. That there was no defense on either team. All of a sudden, uh, Utah would score. Then a couple of minutes later, Seattle would score. And I don't know where to. My favorite score was when uh, Vili Tolutau just all of a sudden, well, the fa- so uh, there's a penalty that happens. Uh, the referee whistles, he takes a quick, the, the, the quick kick. No, I don't know what happened to anyone in Utah. They were just like, like caught sleeping or something. And all of a sudden, boom, he scores right there. Yeah, and that happened a couple of times. Yeah, no, one point I want to make is, like, everybody kind of remarked how fast-paced that first half was, and that's true. They, these guys were playing at, like, a million miles an hour. The passing was really good, especially in tight uh, spaces. But that really fast pace kind of set a really high, high standard for what players were expecting. So by the time the second half came around, it was just kind of about who had the better endurance. And I think Seattle kind of outlasted Utah in that respect, basically because it was a home game and – and, and it was just by a little bit, but I think that little bit kind of made the difference because I think Utah was just totally gassed by the end of this one. Because like you said, Victor, they weren't making the pretty, you know, simple mechanical defensive plays that you'd expect a rugby player at that level to be able to make. Seriously. And it felt like it was it was a fake teams match, but with all the scoring and, and all the craziness happening, it, happening, it felt like it was sevens. <laughs> On the uh, Utah uh, side, a lot of sevens experience. Players. And and Seattle, too. They oh, got that's, a couple yeah, of, it's totally true. I'm a New England fan. I just it, it hurts my head to talk about Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> ah, dude. Then again, I remember the Super Bowl parade, and that makes me happy again. Uh, eh, poor Seahawks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and I lost Richard Sherman to to the 49ers, I heard. Man, that's yeah, nice. but he he's coming off an Achilles injury. He's got a year uh, left. Ah, uh, okay, I understand. Man, I really like, I really like it, it did seem like Seattle was trying to run Utah out of the building. I mean, with Utah's size, you figured they'd wear down pretty quick. But they did a good job of keeping up for as long as they did. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's not like they're a team that's totally built up, you know, built of forwards. I actually kind of consider Utah to be a more forward-oriented team. Um, oh, but yeah, meanwhile, yeah. like you know, with, with Seattle, you got people like you know, people that we should definitely talk about: Phil Mack and Tiberio, who had themselves a goddamn game. Those guys on the outside were mad, entertaining to watch. Yo, pass of the freaking season by Phil Mack between the legs. Can we fucking talk about this? Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> That, yeah, yeah, I mean, what an amazing moment. Come on. <laughs> Say hike, hike, cut there. Come on. Right. Yeah. Hey, the reflexes you know, that takes, the timing. Hey, good moment at all. Best moment of the match has got to be the defensive stand in the first half. 
You, you had Utah going 30 plus phases in Seattle held the whole time. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. And they finally for, they finally forced a mistake, but you actually have to give credit to Utah for actually not making a mistake throughout those 30 phases and being able to continuously recycle it between forwards and backs alike. And it, honestly, just some really, really good rugby like on both sides. Unfortunately, I think, you know, like I said before, it comes down to that endurance factor where Seattle's at home with the fans on their side. That crowd Actually, I got to ask, how do you guys how did you guys feel about that crowd, especially in uh and now they treated uh, Kurt Morath when he was at the T. Mm. You know this what? This is in Ireland. We don't care. Yeah. I'm yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I, I, oh I think God. it's a great, like, you know, identity for Sea Hog or for Sea Wolves fans. It's sorry. Cool. Yeah. No and hey, just <laughs> no. let, let me give a shout out to Tony Ridnell. He did the stadium announcing. So good job, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was trying to plead with them. Please stop. <laughs> treating right. the kicker like shit it's not cool <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but you know what it's funny no one talks about the crap that happens down in france when french people start no not only whistling but also using this um their um the drums and whatever and some of them at the bubusellas too trying to mess up the kicker no one talks about france we I, surrender. I just, we surrender. <laughs> I, I just want I just want Nola to start using their brass band as a distraction. Oh yeah, <laughs> seriously. The band goes in. You know, one of the things that uh, stuck out to me from this match also was just how uh, clean it was. Yeah, there were penalties here and there, but I think I counted a total of maybe five or six scrums throughout the entire the entire match. They're just it was mostly lineouts or quick taps, and uh, just people were. They were just. It was just running rugby. They were just moving it. Is that, exactly. plus, or, is that plus or minus the million cotton seeds? <laughs> that that, uh, that is another issue altogether. The fact that it looked like it was snowing in Seattle, which was my roommate. Actually, yeah. My roommate asked me if it was ash coming in from Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding you. Did, did, did you then, you know, introduce your roommate to Google Maps? <laughs> please. Nope, please I, I just let you go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that caught me off guard, too, when I saw just random um, snow coming down. I said, dude, isn't it May? Like, what the hell? I really caught me off guard. I was not expecting that from the Pacific Northwest. But, hey, that's that, okay. Look kind of cool on TV, I'll tell you that. Um, there were no yellow cap cards, right, guys, on this game? I don't no, so. I don't believe so. And okay. you have to give credit to Utah because I think every week they're improving in just about every phase of their game. Unfortunately, they're just not able to finish the way they would like to against a team like Seattle that has a ton of, you know, of, of BC Premier and um, other other you know Canadian cap players coming in with a ton more experience, you know, especially playing together, um, you know, like with the Seattle Saracens and of course north of the border. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, they're definitely getting better. They're showing improvement, but they're just not at Seattle's level yet. Maybe at like Austin, Nola, and Houston's, but definitely not well, up there. Utah definitely has a ton of individual talent, and they've been getting better as playing as a team as the season has gone on. I but love watching Dallas CK yeah. play. <laughs> that's still their issue is they don't play as a team. They play as individuals on a field. Okay. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I think they're getting better at playing as a team, especially during that um, that instance that we were discussing in which there was like 30-plus uh, phases before Seattle yeah. was finally able to make that stand. You're not able to accomplish that, you know, that that type of recycling and that type of chemistry, like you know, out on the outside and and on into the inside, 
unless you're actually growing as a team. And I think, you know, Alf Daniels, he knows what he's doing. He knows how he wants to build this team, but just how fast it's going to happen. I don't think, I don't think they're going to see the results they wish they could in 2018. Maybe 2019 mm-hmm. is more realistic. I, I, I just got, well, I have one more thing to say. You guys probably have more, but um, Maka Tamerlan was fucking huge. Yeah, right? Well, seriously, <laughs> dude. God wow. damn it! Am I? Isn't he the little the little brother of of Tavita? I think. I think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. dang it! And, and he makes his brother look tiny in comparison, and that's his older brother. Hey, are Does we it... going to talk about how the fact that they traded the Whippies for the Nickels? Yeah, <laughs> they they always have a pair of brothers on deck, no matter what. Hey, Seriously. okay, with the addition of Tamalau, if yes. they have four sets of brothers. They yes. got the Whippies, the Nickels, the Elkingtons, and the Tamalows. Wait a minute, what was the second one? The Whippies, the Nickels. Uh huh, the third one. Oh. The Elkingtons. Oh, the Elkingtons, yes, 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 yes. And the Tamalows. And the Tamalows, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Very, very family oriented out there in Utah. Dude. <laughs> Dang right. it. So he played defensive tackle for the City College of San Francisco. They list him as 6'3, 315. That's right. It's a big guy. God damn it. Terrific team, bro. Just if we drop those freaking pounds. No, actually, forget it. If we, if we just drop it to like 290, dang it. So I had, um, I've got one gripe about this game because I can't go a uh, game without having a gripe. Uh, ESPN, You're a resident old man shaking his fist. Get off my lawn. <laughs> ESPN. That, that, that's Corey's new segment, Get Off My Lawn. You know what really <laughs> grinds my gears? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so ESPN can't keep score, apparently. Yeah, right? Dude, like, seriously. Yeah, because well, the hey, score was l- wrong for like 15 minutes. Apparently neither can Seattle because they didn't count the last conversion. That's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kurt Morath like, went mad fast on that last conversion. You know, He didn't act like every other rugby player and take two minutes to set it up. He just kind of drop kicked it, I believe, right on in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, there was annoying, though. Uh, so Aaron's over in uh, the YouTube comments, uh, jumping in now and then as he is available to, and he just pointed out that he was finally starting to see um, Utah uh, create, or actually create an attack shape uh, in Utah. So I think that's some real encouraging uh, developments as well, just seeing the development as them as a team. So thanks, Aaron, for pointing that out. We really appreciate it. You guys got anything else on this one, or should we uh, talk about our neighbors to the north? Uh, I think we should talk about our neighbors to the north, because I'm mm-hmm. good. So, Liam, go ahead and start us off here. So, it was the uh, uh, Canadian Selects visiting the Ontario Arrows, and, of course, um, this is an exhibition match for a team that's not actually part of MLR yet, so it's a little goofy, but uh, we've been tracking with the Arrows this season. Yeah. So... So kind of like Corey said, we, we don't exactly know the uh, – we, we haven't had like a confirmed status on whether or not the Ontario Arrows are going to be entering the MLR next season. However, the investors are all there. The team is together. So it's looking pretty likely. Um, uh, we also had just recently learned about DC MLR. But in terms of the game, uh, if you ever want to hear what a rugby match sounds like when it's narrated by NPR uh, contributors, you definitely should have watched this game because that's what it sounded like the majority of the time. And the YouTube comments can definitely confirm that. Uh, However, the game was really, really good fundamental rugby, uh, considering um, maybe kind of like what we saw with with, uh, Utah versus Seattle, except a lot less fast. In fact, it was kind of... 
I don't want I don't want to say boring. I guess you can just say it was the opposite of champagne rugby. Uh, Ontario really really impressed me on defense. They were able to uh, uh, quell a lot of phases uh, that on that the uh, Canada selects were trying to uh, go for both on the inside and on the outside. Uh, unfortunately, it, it just kind of seemed like they were they were out schemed by the Canada selects, which is not surprising considering that all of these guys have international experience and. A few of them even actually played on the Ontario era squad and are missing from that roster. Uh, overall, it was a good game, but um, concerning what the score was, a final of 19 to nothing in favor of the Canada Selects, uh, not a whole lot happened. But you know, throughout the game, you could tell the Ontario Arrows are pretty uh, fundamentally sound in terms of how they play, and I think they're going to be successful when it comes to professional rugby, uh, you know, here in North America. Excellent. Cool. Well, thanks for the update. I really appreciate it. Hey, did anybody by chance catch the uh, Boston Mystic this weekend? I did. Uh, <laughs> I think they were uh, playing as well. Uh, once again, not a confirmed MLR team, but definitely an area that's been making some rumbling. Yeah, that game was amazing. So uh, Nyack, you know, throughout the majority of the first half was definitely the better team. And honestly, I, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit unbiased. I'll say that Nyack probably played the better games throughout However, Mystic came back with a much better second half. They were able to drive it with their forwards. And they also, kind of like in the way that Utah plays a lot of their games, they had a lot of individual success. People like Steve Dazzo were able to kind of rip up the outside and create opportunities even when they took it into touch. Their lineouts were pretty good. Their scrums were uh, definitely decent. And the exciting finish, uh, they were ahead by just one point after kind of securing, securing the lead. And they were able to make that stand against Nyack and put themselves in the finals because in Josh Smith we trust, Boston Mystic River is going to be the club champions come a uh, couple weeks. That's excellent. Well, and I think that it just proves once again this high-level club play. There's a lot of potential and a lot of talent still to be given uh, to professional expansion. So it bodes well for the future, I'd say. Mm-hmm. All right. I think it's about time we talk about the player of the week as uh, defined by Major League Rugby. Victor, what we got? Well, I mentioned him, actually, and funny that that I'm going to talk about him right now. So, Vili Tulutau, um, a flanker for the the Seattle Seawolves, he gets the MLR Player of the Week award. Um, So, he led um, the Seawolves' 41-point offensive onslaught, to say the least, with two tries, and tremendous carries. Of course, I mentioned that one try that he got very close to the the try line after that that quick tap. Uh, and and of course, after a slow start with with um oh again, so I should say um just as fast pace and physical play, Seattle settled in with a strong def- defensive effort, helped of course by Tolutau high tackle rate, which I I wish I could find out exactly how many tackles he had, but unfortunately, I don't think we have those statistics yet on individual players. Um, and uh, Aaron mentioned also that, in his opinion, it was a tough it was a tough call for the weekend because he also thought uh, Tibbs and Mac both had really strong performances. Uh, so, yeah, did you guys have any more thoughts on that, or is there any other performance that really stuck out to you? I, 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 I was going to say, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but the hooker from Utah, I thought he he uh, was the tell. key to yeah he was the key to Utah's attack when he when he came off their attack kind of died down a little to a Pelosi, to a Pelosi, that's the same yeah and I'll just point out that and I think we kind of mentioned this earlier I 
I just in, really enjoy watching Paul Lasique run over people. Uh, oh, yeah. It makes me that's, happy. That's, that's my favorite thing to see now. <laughs> Starting in 2018, that's my favorite thing now to, to do. Just watch this guy just run over people. God, imagine uh, if he was on the Glendale Raptors or something. That would, oh. Gosh, I'm money, yeah. No, they can't have him. <laughs> I know, right? No, of course. I mean, they have all the good players. No they hey, hey, everybody else. <laughs> they need they need somebody to replace Bryce. That is true. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's actually a good. So talking about plays leads us straight into play of the week. And Josh, I think you've been doing some thinking about this one. You know, I I almost went with Utah's uh, cheeky lineout that they did really close. But um, Seattle's defensive stand against Utah's 30-plus phases really did it for me because you saw them grinding and grinding and wouldn't give up and prevented Utah from scoring that try. And it's, that was it, it wasn't the flash that we're used to seeing, and it, I think that's what um, drew it apart from anything else this weekend. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm agree with you completely. That was just a very impressive. It was a very strong showing of talent uh, as a team talent and not just an individual performance. So kind of what we've been talking, it's kind of the theme of the night really is, you know, people gelling as a team. And I think Seattle is, I think Seattle has done a very good job uh, making a case for them being in second place right now. And I think uh, point wise, that's where they're sitting and they probably deserve it. And I think there's some arguments to be made for maybe San Diego as well. Uh, There's some real talent there, but I think Seattle right now, is kind of defining their own destiny going forward. So good on them. Yeah. So I just want to say, like in that regard, I feel like San Diego versus Seattle. I feel like those two teams are kind of the X factors in how the second half of the season is going to go and how this playoff picture is going to look. Because I think if San Diego, you know, fills in like their complete potential with all of the players that they have, I, I think they could definitely make a run for maybe the third or even the second seed. However, I think the looking at the schedule that Seattle has ahead of them, I think they're probably going to get just a game or two over San Diego. Which So I'm just saying that those are two really interesting teams to watch in terms of how they're going to land in the final standings. And let me tell you guys real quick, Corey. Um, and for a team that I and most of us here didn't, didn't have any uh, particular uh, hope for in Seattle, for them to get like this now in, in – in week five of the league, so it's, it's actually quite impressive for a team that only played one preseason game, and that was that one against the Prairie Wolfpack um, or the Alberta Wolfpack. To now, especially, and especially the fact that on week one we were talking about uh, my, I guess I call it now my magna opus. Uh, um, <laughs> to try the motion picture, <laughs> might as well trade that, might trademark that. Um, to now, I mean Seattle is just going up and up. It's great. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I think would be good to point out, and I know we, we're going to talk about this a little later, but maybe I'll just skip to it now. Uh, one thing Seattle's going to have to watch out for uh, towards the uh, end of the season into the June test matches is they could be losing up to nine players to uh, various national teams between U.S. and Canada. Um, that, I mean, when it's a 15-side game and you lose nine of your starters, that is profound. That mm-hmm. is a huge loss. And they have been very impressive, but, you know, they, they you're right. They don't have the experience that maybe a Glendale has or the depth, perhaps. So I think mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see what happens 
in June for that team. And but you know what? They've surprised us, surprised us before. Um, I think Phil Mack is doing an amazing job, uh, kind of keeping a lot of cohesion there as you know a player coach uh, playing or working both sides of the ball. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. Uh, they could surprise us again, just like they've surprised us the first half of the season. And I think this is uh, like the perfect opportunity actually for Houston to strike in that regard, considering that Houston, I think, is actually losing probably the least amount of people uh, for the June test window. I think it was only one or two people they were actually losing. They have they still, yeah, one, one, exactly. So they still have a game uh, coming up against Glendale. And we know, you know, the chances of winning that game are probably pretty low. So they're already sitting at one and three. They have one more loss before they're looking at 500 or worse. So I think I, if they they have they have a chance to win out other than that game at Glendale, which I don't want to count them out against Glendale altogether. However, eh. I think you can count them out against Glendale. I think you can count just about anybody out against Glendale right now. Who, who do you guys think is the most likely to beat Glendale at this point? San Diego. If not San Diego, Seattle. But I think San Diego, number one. Seattle took their shot and missed. They had a home yeah. game against Glendale. So I, 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 I think Nola can do it. I think Nola has a home game against uh, Glendale coming up in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, that, they do, but even when they had all their players healthy, I realized they were listen, missing Tim Up and a couple of players. Glendale basically destroyed them. Yeah, but you know that was weeks ago. Definitely, they've built up more chemistry. Nate Osborne is a coach, you know, who's able to game plan after a loss. So I don't know. I think I, I think if there's any team that's going to beat them, I think it's going to be Nola at home with the way they with this with the way they play. They're able to spread it out wide, and we all know that Glendale is definitely more deadly with the ball in hand out on the uh, you know out on the back line. So I think it'll be a really cool matchup to watch. Mm. Hey, hey, all Glendale has to do is they got to rev up their Harley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. There's Glendale's new hashtag. Run up that Harley. Exactly. Hashtag run up that Harley. Get your motors rolling, boys. Mm-hmm. All right. So every week we like to uh, recap our failures from the previous week with our predictions and uh, go over. Oh, my failures. That's y'all territory. <laughs> and then go over our predictions for next week so we can do it all again. So, uh, yeah. Uh, who wants to start us off on this one? Before we start, guys, did we mention which is the game of the of the week? I think we, I think we made it very clear, but might as well mention it. Yeah, I Seattle versus game, Utah. Game Thank you. It doesn't need discussion, but yeah, Seattle Utah. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so now let's go to predictions. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Let's go to predictions now. Josh, well, actually, you want to uh, go first, man? Yeah. Uh, me and Aaron actually called this game almost correctly. We both had Nola minus three. And the final score on that one was NOLA 24, Houston 20, just as a quick reminder. Yeah, my bad. And uh, let's see. Victor, what did you have for the uh, NOLA-Houston match? I had minus 10, so I was really off. Really, really (laughs) off. And I gave it to Houston, too, on top of that, too. Yeah, and I I was right there with you. I said uh, minus 7 for Houston. I thought they were going to go ahead and take care of NOLA, and guess what? (laughs) They didn't. Aaron is not working out the way people thought they were going to this season. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with they did a really good job marketing themselves. Um, and, and they brought in a lot of talent. I'm just not sure what the disconnect there is because, yeah, the performance on the field hasn't been quite what I think the hype 
would have led us to believe it was going to be. It's, it's something about the second half. Something they're just not able to be consistent, you know, through 80 minutes of rugby, which is really unfortunate. Uh, so just wrapping up the NOLA Houston one, Aaron, uh, like Josh mentioned, Aaron had NOLA by three. And so, uh, yeah, Josh and Aaron really were spot on on that one. So for the next one, it looks like uh, we were all pretty much in agreement for that one. Uh, Josh, what'd you have on Utah Seattle? Uh, and just as a reminder, the final score there was forty-one Seattle, thirty-two Utah. I had Seattle minus five. Um, Aaron actually came closest. He had Seattle minus seven. Victor, how about you? And I had it by fourteen, so I went a little overboard. Yep, and me too. I had him by thirteen. So we were actually you and I were really close this week or last week, Victor. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. Uh, but oh well. What can I say? Yeah. All right. So uh, that leads us straight into round six predictions. And uh, so, just as a preview, uh, next week or this weekend, I guess, we're going to have uh, San Diego at Austin, Houston or Utah at Houston, and NOLA at Seattle. So, In that order, right? I believe that's the order. I'd have yeah. to be sure. Yes, right, that's the order. And it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. So Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So San Diego and Austin, San Diego and Austin are the um, CBS Sports Game of the Week. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one on Friday. That's right. So uh, let's just go straight down the list. Uh, Victor, you want to take us through your three uh, predictions? Sure. So I get San Diego by 14 over Austin. Austin has been going up and down in, in recent. I mean, they were, they got really good all of a sudden, and then they just went down, especially after that um, taking with Utah uh, two weeks ago. Um, or oh, last week, excuse me. Um, oh, no, yeah, it's already two weeks ago. I'm sorry. Yeah, it is two weeks ago already. Then after that, we got um, the, U- the Utah-Houston. Got, got Houston, excuse me, got Utah by, uh, by seven. Uh, we'll see if Houston bounces, but Utah's, even even though Utah lost, the, the I think they'll should go up uh, upward with the with Houston, and then finally we got Seattle, uh, which is playing Nola, and I got that one by fourteen. Um, it's there's a possibility that that game might be closer, but I'm going to give Utah the benefit of the doubt and say they're going to put more than fourteen points, if not fourteen points, more than fourteen to Nola. All right, Liam, did you uh, have some picks this week? I did. So uh, basically, I went uh, from with my first game. I went with San Diego minus fourteen. I just think San Diego definitely has more playmakers that can take advantage of uh, Austin's. You know, some of their uh, defensive deficiencies, we'll call them, for lack of a better term. Uh, then I have Houston at minus eight. I think Houston definitely has the depth coming off the bench, um, and uh, you know, especially they're really hungry for another win. They're going to be at home, so I'm also going to be down there watching that game with Grant Cole. So I definitely don't want to bet against them. Uh, and then finally, I got Seattle minus five, uh, kind of like what Victor said. I think this is actually going to be, uh, you know, in what he mentioned, a, a more close game than uh, than people think. And I think Nola has the ability to challenge Seattle, especially on their back line. Fantastic. Josh, what are you thinking? Um, I got San, Di- San Diego minus 18. Um, San Diego's really starting to turn it on. Austin's kind of going the opposite way. Um Moving on to Utah and Houston. I got Utah minus three. Um, same thing. I think Utah's on the up. Houston's on the down. Um, it'll be close, but I think I think Kurt Morath's boot will be the difference. Um, and then I got Seattle minus seven. Um, they played them extremely close in NOLA, and I think um, home field advantage will push them just a little bit further. Very good. 
Uh, for mine, I uh, I'm right with you on San Diego there. I actually put him up by uh, 21. Uh, I'm going go big or go home. Uh, for uh, the Utah-Houston match, I'm going to say uh, Houston's going to win because it's a home game, and I just think, uh, you know, problem their problems aside, I think they, they can turn on the magic at home. So that's my hope for them. And then uh, Nola at Seattle, I'm thinking Seattle's going to handle it pretty easy. I put them up by 14 points. Uh, so additionally, Aaron sent in, uh, before he uh, had stuff going on, he sent in his predictions for the week, so I'll just buzz through those real quick. He has San Diego at minus five, uh, Utah at minus seven, and Seattle at minus ten. So, yeah, I think uh, it seems like the Utah-Houston game is really the one that is the, the only one that we're contesting here. It's a pretty even split between all of us uh, in our predictions. Otherwise, it seems like we got San Diego and Seattle on lockdown for the other two matches. So you heard it here, folk, here first, folks. Utah versus Houston. It's the game to watch this weekend. It's on Saturday. Check it out. That is one. <laughs> uh, we always like to go over uh, some transactions, kind of folks coming and going from the league. Uh, so, uh, Victor, I think you had a couple you wanted to share with us real quick. That's right. We actually got two. So um, let me go actually on this. Uh, this this one because it's, it happened actually later and then I'll talk about the other one for so I'm going to go actually out of order. Uh, so first, guys, you probably uh, notice if you watch the the, the Seattle uh, Utah match, uh, a guy named Daniel. Uh, uh, I think his last name is pronounced Trayvaler. I want to say. Sorry, Daniel, if I got your last name correctly pronounced, but um, but he just got signed not long ago. Uh, by the the Seattle Seawolves, they just brought it in this week. Um, so he is a native uh, Seattleite, I guess is the is it the, the nomination for people from there. Um, he picked up his rugby at high school. He used to play for the Seattle Vikings, and then after that, he moved to Seattle RFC. He was there for a while. Eventually, moving uh, to New Zealand and played there a season with the uh, Ponsonby Under Twenty Ones team. After that, he returned to the States and played from 2009 to 2012 with the all punching Sound uh, Sound Beach, which eventually turned into the Seattle Saracens. And he was there ever since. Now got a contract uh, with the Seawolves. May he start, actually, uh, again with Seattle versus Utah. He played really well, I think, personally. He plays hooker, by the way, if you didn't notice. And so, of course, congrats, congrats to him. Uh, 21 years old, so... If he stays in that team long enough, he, he should get better and better. So that's him. And the one that's, and we briefly mentioned it last week, was the fact that um, it's been confirmed that a former uh, uh, Northampton Saints uh, fullback, uh, Ben Foden, is indeed going to Rugby United New York. He is indeed going to Rooney. Um, I believe as a player coach, if I'm not mistaken. But um, obviously, uh, his years in in Southampton, well, and also South Sharks, he was served briefly, uh, will come quite handy, of course, for uh, Rooney. Very similar to what's happening again with with Phil Mack in Seattle or Hammond, for example, Sam Windsor and Mac Trubel, Houston, and the like. Uh, do hope that the one that we talked about as well with um, Chris Wiles also becomes true and he indeed comes to the States as well. Uh, again, 
I'd rather see him in the Legion than in, U- in Utah Warriors, again, because of the whole flag and red thing that I talked about before with the uniform, very similar to Saracens. But um, we'll see with that, that last one. But yeah, those, so those are the two confirmed players. So Ben Foden coming for 2019 with, again, Rooney, Rugby United in New York, and again, the Daniel Firewire, or whatever last name is pronounced, again, with the Seawolves. And those Fantastic. are the transitions for this week. Well, thank you so much, Victor. Thank you. Hey, Liam, you're going to fill in and help us out with Tweet of the Week. Thank you. Hey, guys. So I'm going to pretend to be Dan today. So just pretend that I'm a Mets fan. Um, I'm going to have very little. little Pretend Uh, you're a Mets fan just like all of them. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Hi, I'm Dan, and I hate Boston, and I love the Mets. This is what I sound like, isn't it? Dude. Okay, Terrence and Philip. <laughs> I'm not your guy, buddy. <laughs> All right, uh, but anyway, guys, the tweet of the week is coming from uh, the Houston Sabercats fullback Zach Pangelinen, Um, and it's in regards to his red card uh, against the Nola Gold. And his tweet says, "Just wanted to apologize to my team and to Nola Gold rugby players for my actions this past weekend. I'm in disgust at myself for what I've done. Congrats on a hard-fought win." To the Houston Sabercats, it won't ever happen again. Uh, you know, like, that tweet shows all class to me. It really does. But what do you guys think? I think Zach is being a little bit hard on himself, you know, in term, maybe in, in terms of the wording. Like, maybe an apology, I guess, is one thing. But I just feel like in, in disgust with yourself, bruh, it's rugby. It happens, man. <laughs> huh. Well, I Liam, I think you pointed out maybe even before the show started uh, – this was maybe the first uh, red card he's gotten in his career. Was that- it, it, he mentioned that on Facebook, yeah, that this is the first red card of his entire rugby career, um, which, you know, is, is surprising. I mean, like, you know, he's he's not that old, but at the level of rugby that he's played at for so long, I'm a little bit, you know, surprised he hasn't gotten at least one. Uh, you know, definitely happens, especially when you're a fullback trying to bring people down, especially who are a lot bigger than you. I, I guess I understand where he's coming from because I've definitely done stupid stuff and felt like I really need to apologize to people. So I don't know. In a, in a way, yeah, yeah, maybe he's being a little hard on himself, but I definitely understand where it comes from. And I've definitely had phone calls and text messages I've sent to people, you know, with a similar tone, just saying, listen, guys, I effed up and it it hurt the team or hurt the organization or hurt my friends, whatever, because of it. So yeah, I, I actually get where he's coming from, and I think I agree with you wholeheartedly that it's a classy move. Um, but he's pissed off at himself. He probably feels like crap right now, and it's very possible he's looking at a suspension because of this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his presence is going to be felt. His I, lack I, of presence. I, just, I just don't think it should result in a suspension, especially considering the fact that, you know, one half of this of, of the reasoning behind this red card was his failure to release in the try zone. And anybody who's ever played rugby knows that sometimes not releasing is just a result of, you know, you trying to angle your body enough from a guy that's like lying on top of you. I, I, I don't think it's, I know I like in regards to the, the suspensions like to a player like Connor Cook, I don't think it's the same degree, you know, that, that warrants a reaction like that from the league. I'll, I'll be very disappointed if Zach receives a sp- uh, suspension for this infraction. Anybody else have any thoughts on that one? Nope. Okay. It's time for some news, views, and abuse, boys. So uh, news, uh, views, and abuse. Josh, abuse us. 
<laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that sounds so horrible. <laughs> All right. First up, um, Major League Rugby now has stats posted on their page. Um, they have team stats and some player stats. Um, some people have called out some of the missing stats. I personally apologize for not knowing what they are. Um, but if you would like to check them out, they are on the USMLR website. Um, Seattle. Uh, has sold out all of their matches for the 2018 season. So about 3,500, 4,000 people a game. That's fantastic for the first year. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Also and you can have, really tell when you're watching that broadcast, too. It is freaking loud. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Feels good, I, th- I think the trees help a little on the one side. As, as funny as it sounds, they really do think it helps. Uh, they also have a fight song now that was fan written. Um, Corey, do you have that out on the social media or Seattle? No, Seattle has it somewhere. Yeah, I haven't posted it. Um, we should probably do that sometime. I didn't. I didn't hear it getting sung. All I heard was "Sea Wolves, Sea Wolves." Uh, that's just a chant. Yeah. Well, someone actually wrote and put out a video of the fight song. I did see that online. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah. you you guys caught the, the, the I, I assume you, I'm sure you guys caught it. What they did was they took the um the we are the champions on and just changed the the, the, the lyrics. That's just really what they did. It's just, it, dis- you don't disrespect Queen like that, dude. I just gotta tell you what it did. I mean, I, I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying don't that's what it the did. <laughs> exactly. I just told that, you what like, it is. That's like Man United having that cheer. That's like knickknack paddywhacks. Uh, like United, United is the team for me. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Isn't it? Yeah, but but yeah, but no one really cares about that. Very true. Ah, <laughs> uh, you were surprised. You were surprised. All right, next up in news, uh, Kurt Marath was called into the Tonga squad today for the summer international window. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't played – Real quick, he hasn't played for Tonga since the World Cup in 2015. So he hasn't played for the national team in three years, almost three years. That's, this is, that's, so this is really big. One, one of the things I actually find funny, uh, I think uh, America's Rugby News wrote this, um, nobody on the Tonga squad is actually playing in Tonga. They're all international players. Can't really blame them. I mean, the, the island's tiny. Yeah, I feel like Tonga is not a very large place. They got like um, three hundred something thousand people. I mean, I don't. That's less I'm than LA, like. it's, it's, it's Literally, I mean, I'm not surprised. Population right, of three hundred thousand, two hundred thousand of which are rugby players. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that is Still a, less uh, than New Zealand. Less of a ratio than New Zealand. That's all. I think there's a lot more Tongans outside of Tonga. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure there's a lot more talking sex out of Tonga. Wouldn't be surprised. So good for him. What else we got? Uh, the USA under-20s had their camp a couple weeks ago. Um, they had six recognized from Major League Rugby. If others are with them, we apologize. Um, four came from Glendale. Ryan James, Alec Letty, Jack Miller, and Joseph Russert Cuddy. One came from Houston, which is Karen Farmer. And yeah, one my kid. From, mm-hmm. <laughs> one came from Nola, which was Will Wagasback. Mm-hmm. Sorry if I mispronounced that name. Wagasback. He, yeah, he is the only one who's actually seen MLR action this season. Yeah. The others are all academy players. Yeah. 
And I'm, 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 I was really happy when I saw Kieran Farmer in that in that list because when I was, I, was, I saw his background and the fact that so he's born in Aberdeen, Scotland, learned rugby in freaking Azerbaijan in an international school, and then moved to Houston because of his dad's job. So he, and so this dude is like a it's a freaking globetrotter. He went from from the the British Isles to. To, to Asia Minor, to Texas. I mean, completely different cultures. I mean, they couldn't be more different. Well, I mean, I guess Texas, Scotland, not that much. But freaking Azerbaijan, this is incredible. And I, I, I would just like to point out that this isn't the final rot. They aren't. This isn't the final roster. They were just invited to the camp. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yes. Thank you. Thank you for making that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Two more pieces of news. Um, a group out of Sacramento is trying to raise money, trying to get investors to join the MLR. Then last piece is there's a new majority owner for Dallas. Um, Donnie Nelson, son of the former NBA coach, Don Nelson. He is currently the general manager and president of basketball operations for the Dallas Mavericks. And at this time, there are no updates on the status of Mike Ford as the coach. More than likely, it seems like he's going back to England though. Oh, that sucks. That does stink. However, uh, it sounds like uh, this Donnie guy is bringing some pedigree to the uh, to the game. Definitely, at least sports in general. Definitely, especially if a team like the Mavericks is involved. Um, I mean, that's uh, Mr. Mark Cuban himself, is it not? You yeah, know, he, it is. You know, he likes it. to throw money at things, and he loves he loves rugby too. That's very true. He, he was that's at the CRCs a couple years ago. Ah, uh, there you go. So you can definitely see him. Uh, one of these is probably in, in the in the stands watching the game. Well, I mean, people always say that basketball players also also can make really good um, rugby players. I'm pretty sure because of the height, they can make really good locks. Well, what what position to... would LeBron be in rugby? Because I, I, Dude, I, I say eight a, man. That is a good question. Eight man. That's a good. Uh, I question. think you'd be a lock. He's six eight. Yo, dude, seriously. I, eight, eight. I mean, eight men are pretty fucking big. Are pretty fucking I tall. Can see LeBron. I can see LeBron as a loose forward. Yeah, I can see him. Because I, I, I tried to picture him in my head with a rugby uniform. Yeah, I can see him as a loose forward. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Now I'm just imagining lineouts with uh, basketball players. I'm thinking. <laughs> oh, dude, oh, my God. <laughs> dude. Oh, my God. Well, I, I just throw Kevin Durant in his lock. Just throw it to him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we could do an NBA 15 one of these days. Oh my god, I, I, Isaiah Thomas would definitely be a scrum half. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Wait, you sure it isn't Matthew Deladova? Because <laughs> oh. I thought being a dick was a requirement for the position. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well then, uh, how about Brad Marchand then? Let's see how he uh, does off skate. <laughs> hey, just as long as he doesn't lick anybody. No, no, I'm, I'm hoping that he does. <laughs> oh, dude! No, was yeah, seriously, guys. What is this? We need to do, especially now that, that the NBA finals are coming up. We should do an NBA fifteen. Some, no, no lie. Okay, Victor, <laughs> we'll let you organize that one. Go ahead and get we'll back do, to us on we'll it. it. I, 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 that's the thing. I don't, I don't do basketball, so I really, I know very few players. <laughs> like for example, that guy that, that Leanne just mentioned that could make score. I have no idea who that is. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> no idea who that is. Uh, he was he he was somebody who who gained their power from the uh, TD Garden in Boston, but he left it there when he uh, moved cities. So he left he left his hip there too. Yeah. <laughs> oh. For example, I watch for example I watch Space Jam, and I have no idea who most of those basketball players are besides Michael Jack, Michael Jordan in Space Jam. 
I was born in 1995. I have no idea who half those bitches. Uh, the only, the only, the only two I knew. Actually, no, I knew three of them. I knew Muggsy, I knew Patrick Ewing, and I knew Charles Barkley. Oh yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, I know Charles Barkley. But. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, yeah, was, yeah, I know Patrick Ewing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Charles Barkley. Yeah, actually, so I, I don't know three, yeah, including Jordan. That's true. I don't know that short guy nor that tall white guy. I have no idea who that is. Who was short the one guy? with the really long ears? Who's that guy? Okay. <laughs> this has gone so far down okay, the road. Right. Right. The fuck are we talking about again? Bugs Bunny hole. Uh, <laughs> we, we made it to cartoons and Bugs Bunny. You, we uh, literally make a right turn in, in yeah. Albuquerque. No, Aaron, this is the morphine screwing with you. <laughs> Oh, this is a good night. This is we, we've covered every base possible. Full court uh, press. Now we just need to mention Pokemon. What's yes. defense? Oh, I can talk to you about that, uh, but I'm too embarrassed. Awesome. Uh, so, uh, getting our squirtles on. Uh, questions from Bob. <laughs> Yo, that caught me off guard. <laughs> oh my god, that caught me off guard. I was expecting. <laughs> Oh, yeah. My favorite part of the show. I get to uh, read off some questions from our Reddit page. So, as always, quick shout-out to Reddit. Uh, You can check out the Major League Rugby community at reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So, go ahead and join the conversation. We're just about to hit 2,000 subscribers, guys, uh, which is insane. That's great. Uh, Feels good, man. Feels good. So, here's some questions. Uh, This is more of a Observation, I'd say. Uh, Bree Guy twenty eight said, "I think it'd be awesome if we were able to get a rugby network, uh, the way other sports have dedicated channels. Mm-hmm. Imagine if we had something like like a, a rugby network or the rugby channel. Imagine if we had something that was properly managed and properly funded and didn't actually screw. had a product to give out. Yeah, yeah, fuck." I mean, like, 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 nothing against the question, like, you know, but like, it's the fact that we came this close to actually having that, and it just didn't work for, like, so many, you know, irritating reasons is, yeah. Hey, you, you got you to gotta start somewhere. Um, the Mountain West Network was the first ever conference network for college sports, and it laid the foundation for all others. Very good. Mm-hmm. What I really want us to have, guys, is the rugby pass. That's that's what I really want the rugby pass here in the states. Mm. Is that just be kind of a one one place where you can get everything, or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, not only do they show a current a games, they show classic games too, like from the 1991, 19, well, 1994, World Cup, and whatever. So you get some really classic matches too. So that's great. Well, you know, for that matter, what I would love to see is uh, some produced programming. So either some magazine-style uh, shows where it's actually going in depth about players or teams or other related topics. And I'd also, I also, I love documentaries. I would love it if there was a place to get uh, rugby documentaries other than just kind of bad ones on YouTube. There so. are There is an extraordinarily amount of little information on USA Rugby on the internet in like uh, in like official official like scholarly capacity. I was trying to write a uh, a paper slash do a presentation on rugby, um, you know, in a class this semester, and it had to be based off a scholarly article or off a book or off something you know reputable. And I ended up just kind of having to base it off a series of interviews that I had done for Penguin Tundra. 
and just kind of, you know, pitch it to my professor that, that it, you know, that it worked. And, you know, I ended up just doing a presentation on the MLR. But, yeah, finding any kind of official, you know, account of the historical information regarding USA Rugby is really hard. You know, uh, Glendale actually started doing like a weekly show kind of with Dallas Stanford as the host. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then I actually watched an interesting documentary on Netflix a couple weeks ago about the Pacific Island teams. Ah, the Rugby Warriors or something yeah. like that's called. Yeah. I think it's pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I watched it. Okay, so I'm going to go looking for that one. The, oh, by the way, real quick, the one that, that I recommend, guys, I, I don't know if it's on Netflix. It's about the life of this Pacific Islander player that comes from uh, Wallis and Fontuna, which are the, the the islands in the Pacific that are owned by France. So he so is he he's played by a guy from there. So he comes to Metropolitan France to play rugby. He's a, he's a, mercenary? A mercenary, that one. I really want to watch that movie. All mercenary. right. It's in French so, for all of those to one another. Guys in French, yeah, of course. Uh, Beam and Trout wants to know, uh, this is speaking about the NOLA field specifically, um, cam- the camera side had a big strip of dirt, uh, but to me it looked like it was being prepped for sod. Can NOLA insiders confirm that the pitch is going to be improved? So has anybody heard anything about uh, what's going on down there? I know Aaron mentioned last week that they had to replace it all when they brought in the stands because they just put them on the field. Um, they're not going to put sod downs. Somebody mentioned that, and then it may have been Aaron, and that they're just seeding and watering and hoping it grows. Interesting. Okay. And the final question of the night from Foot Footballs, great username, and it simply says, ref's not mic'd anymore, question mark. Yeah, so I think this is probably coming not this weekend, but the weekend before. I think there were at least one match where it was obvious that the uh, refs didn't uh, weren't mic'd up and weren't real. We couldn't hear what they were saying. But I thought I heard. I think it varies by crew. Seattle and Utah, they weren't. Um, they they all have mics so they can communicate. They're just not linked up to the broadcast. Mm. So it's game to game. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it really all depends because if it's if it's um, ESPN covered, sometimes they don't. But if it's CBS Sports, they, they are. So I guess it depends who is um, producing the, the match, whether ESPN or or CBS. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like the accuracy of the scorekeeping. It's really just going to depend on broadcast to broadcast. Yeah, if I have to choose between having my refs mic'd and having the score right on the screen, I think I'm going to go with the score. Ah, seriously, that, yes. that's so annoying, dude. Seriously. Well, and, and if that's going to be the case, I think I like having um, like Pete Steinberg or Brian Hightower in or Brian Wizard in the booth because they can explain what's going on. Good point. All right, that's it, fellas. Whoa, how was that? Oh, great! Uh, it was good. It's, hey, it was as fast-paced as Seattle and Utah. Yeah. Anybody have any final thoughts before uh, Victor takes us out? Actually, I do. Real quick. Um, who here? It's just we were talking about squirrels. Who here had squirrel as a starter? In all honesty, because I started uh, Charles. I started Charmander. I just want to know if anyone here started squirrel. I, I started Bulbasaur. Oh, okay. You took the easy route. I had there. friends when I was I'm a kid. Fat. <laughs> <laughs> I chose the fat one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dude, I never, I never, you know, I never seen both of four as bad, but okay, before you put it that way, I mean, yeah, he is a little heavy set, especially when he becomes Venusaur. That's a good point. What what Harry Potter house are you guys? <laughs> that's that's about as. <laughs> I no idea. <laughs> no, yeah, no. And what about you, Corey? Who you started? Oh no, well, you, no, no, you didn't start I, with anyone. You I, think I've, I think I've mentioned before. I I only have ever played uh, Pokemon Go. So I don't know anything about the series other than what I've learned from this game. And so uh, Pikachu is one of the options for a starter on Go. Yellow. So that's what I went yeah. with. That's okay. So okay. So you are Pokemon Yellow. That's, let's just start with that. That's that's cool. Although I'm 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 Red Team on uh, Go. So uh, there you go. Let's go Team Valor. Woo! All right. Yes. Uh, I don't have anything else. Josh, Liam. Nope. I'm good. Uh, one, okay, more, yes. uh, one more shout out for Liam. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, where can they find you again, Liam? But, uh, they can find me at Penguin Tundra Rugby on Facebook or on Twitter at Poetry Tundra. You can hit me up personally or www.penguintundrasports.com. You can feel free to leave me a, a comment in the comments section. Let me feel your love or your wrath. Excellent. Thank you. Victor, take us home, man. Yes, sir. So, guys, thank you very much for joining us again for, for a great, another great episode of the Earful of Dirt Major League Rugby Podcast, episode 37. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Earful of Dirt Podcast, so you could check out our live streams every Monday night. That is uh, times are 10 Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Also, check out our social media accounts on both, uh, on both um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of them at Earful of Dirt. Also, the website, EarfulofDirt.com. Uh, our podcast is also can be found on iTunes, ACAS, Google Play, Stitcher, Player and FM. Leave us a review in either one. Of course, iTunes more than the others because that's the one that's more popular. Also, call us at our number to drop us a voicemail, well, well a message to our voicemail, which is 1-720-600-2679. Again, 1-720-600-2679. Two seven nine, uh, two six seven nine. Excuse me. So with all that, guys, um, again, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, we'll have Aaron and maybe Dan, depending on on his time, back uh, for next week. Again, Liam, thank you for joining us. And once again, that was Liam, guys. Victor, uh, that was Josh, that was Corey, and of course, we'll see you guys next week. Let's go, Team Balor. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us. 